of beauty that is different by design. Hey everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story. Just a reminder to subscribe to our iTunes page, and we'd love a review and a rating. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, give us a like, and if you'd like, leave a message. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and check us out now on YouTube. This week, we talk with the colorful fifth wife of the late Carol Shelby, Cleo Shelby, and get a kid's perspective of what it's like when your folks' car that's been sitting in the garage for years is suddenly working again. But first, Wes Nielsen and a friend began his daily driver project several years ago, and it's now a website and a YouTube channel that shows cars that show up in car shows all throughout Southern California. It's a visual feast of classic cars and car videos. So, Wes... How did the Daily Driver Project get started? I uh, have worked in the automotive industry since basically my early 20s, from a mechanic to a salesman and whatever. And uh, as things went along, I got out of the industry but missed it immensely. So I started up, I was going to car shows anyways, and I decided that there's so many people that don't get to go to them, but the pictures would help them kind of witness it and see it um, I actually started with a friend of mine and she and I she's a huge car person too started it and then about a year ago I took it over on my own and I've been doing it ever since so it's just it's the biggest part of it is is I'm a big fan of everybody driving an old car every day if you can and uh, that's kind of why it's named the name it is, the Daily Driver Project. So this isn't necessarily a daily driver project, meaning every car that's on here is not a daily driver. Not necessarily, but uh, there are plenty of guys I know that are, uh, you know, follow my blog and uh, who I run into at shows and everything, who I also have as friends that drive their old cars every day. You, so. you talk about your blog here. So what do you normally do? Do you just go to shows, take pictures, write stories about the shows? Do you interview the people? Do you talk about the cars? What um, do do? It's mainly just photos of the of the cars themselves and kind of a witness of what the show is like. So you get through the photos, you get to see kind of, you know, the amount of people that are there, the great cars that show up and everything else. And, and I do small, like... And I mean small, like 10 cars at a cruise night up to, uh, like I just went to a show, the Ventura Nationals this weekend, that was probably 600 plus cars. So, And that's a two, three-day event. So it, it's, it can range in size and magnitude. So Take me back to when you first started this. Um, when I first started it, actually, we were walking along, my friend and I, when we were talking about doing this, and there was we were in uh, the city of Orange. Uh, California, and there was this great old Buick Riviera parked alongside the road, and we took a picture of it, and because we were already talking about that, that was actually the first car that we ever took a picture for. That what was year? our. Uh, it would have been uh, 2013, and it was a Buick white Buick Riviera, and we were like just a great car that somebody was out driving, like a mid 60s Riviera, and it was like, so that kind of started the whole thing and how the Daily Driver Project, and we do this thing called the. I do this thing every day called the Street Spot, which is. You'll see a car every day that's either driving on the freeway, parked along the side of the road, or so on. But it's out out in the wild where it needs to be, not in somebody's garage just collecting dust. I've got a couple of those myself. I was <laughs> driving down the freeway one day, and a guy drove by in a 52 Custom, posted it on our website. But still, I mean, you you take a look at your website. By the way, dailydriverproject.com. You really have to check it out. There's some great stuff on here. Uh, not only do you do the pictures... But you have video. I do video. I started doing video. I did a few in the past, but 
Um, I've started doing more and more video as we've been going along, and uh, it's actually video is very satisfying. It's funny. I never I've I was asked when I started this would I ever do video, and I said no, and then suddenly now I'm doing video and I love it. So who would have known? You know. But you don't get in there and start narrating, at no, least not the ones I've seen. No, it's basically all this to music. Yeah, it's music, and and my thing is is that. Most people in the world are visual people. Um, you know, the world of Instagram and so on are all visual. People don't really care what you wrote down below. I mean, some people read it, but a lot of people, they just want to see the pictures. That's true of Facebook. That's true of even, you know, my blog. We started out where we were writing a lot. We were writing stuff about history and so on. And then every so often we do one where it was just a lot of photos and maybe a couple intro sentences to what you were going to see. And those did better than the ones we wrote all the information and did research on. So we just stopped doing that. And it's a visual rep representation of what being in this Southern California car culture is like. Now, one of the spots on here, it talks about uh, locations. It talks about museums. Have you been to all the museums oh, you've listed? Uh, no, I wish. Uh, <laughs> but no, there, across, that was one of the things that's funny is that we started listing museums across the United States because there's a ton of them. People don't realize, even in Southern California, there are so many small little museums. You know, there's the Peterson, which is right down the street from where we are right now. But there are so many smaller museums that are local here that are fantastic. Um, Automobile Drive Museum is a great one that I, we do a lot of stuff with. Um, there's the Murphy Auto Museum, which is up in Oxnard, which is a small little museum. But those, even those small museums, those guys are very passionate. That's why they have the little museums, and that's what's fantastic about them. Are there any museums on there that you want to see? I mean, obviously you want to see all of them, I'd imagine. What are some of the ones you have seen? Um, uh, Peterson, obviously, Automobile Drive Museum, the Mullen Museum, which is also up in Oxnard. Um, which Anyone is, outside of the area? Um, I have... No, not that I've been to. There's not that there's anything wrong with no, that. I mean, but, you can, you know. Yeah, there's there's a there's a speed museum, and I'm not going to remember the name of it. That's up in like Washington and Oregon. I would love to go see. Um, I think it's called Speed World, as I remember. Um, but I, I don't remember exact name. But it's it's up there. They opened up about a year and a half ago. So. And they have what kind of obviously what just it's it's a lot of race car stuff and then they have some older car stuff and so on so and okay. I mean part of it is there's a, the other part of the museums are there's a museum for everybody and every kind of make a car too on top of it I mean you know you go there's the Corvette museum where they had the sinkhole there's the you know the Murphy museum is a lot of earlier American cars there's you know you can go the Mullen which is right down the street which is all Art Deco cars from the 30s French cars I mean it's you know, it, that's the thing about the museums is so much fun is that there's some people, it's just their personal private collections. The Automobile Drive Museum, they have a huge Packard collection if you're into Packards. I mean, it just, that's the thing about all of them is there's, there's each museum is a different flavor that you get. So that's what makes them kind of fun. Do you have a personal favorite? Of the museums. Mm -hmm. I love the Automobile Drive Museum being that my website's called the Daily Driver Project. They drive their cars everywhere. I go to events that they drive their cars to events. They come out to a show that I do with Fireball uh, Fireball and a guy named Ken from Wicked Customs mm -hmm. that does uh, called Wheels and Ways, which you have been out to also. I have. And uh, they bring their cars from El Segundo out to that show. And that's, you know, that's driving freeways. That's coming out. They're, they're getting their cars out there. They also do a Sunday drive where they drive them around and you get to ride them in El Segundo, which is fantastic because they, they're actually moving pieces of art, you know. 
So there's all sorts of really cool cars with it. I'm I'm kind of curious where your car background is. I mean, were you the kind of cars you liked when you were growing up? So I was never really a car guy. I uh, I didn't grow up with cars. My I grew up with a dad that was an engineer, and uh, he was into design. So I liked design of things, but that was design of everything, buildings, so on, that kind of stuff. And um, I was in basically getting out of high school, going into junior college and deciding what I wanted to do with my life. And I needed a car and I needed to save money, learn how to work on it. So I took a junior college class and that was the end of my life or the beginning of my life, depending on how you look at it. I and was, your junior college class was in? In automotive. Oh, okay. It was an automotive class. It would have been silly if you had done, like, government history or well, something that would have like been, that. that would have been interesting. Well, you know, boring, government but, interesting of cars. But, but you know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I took an automotive class to learn how to, you know, just a basic automotive class, learn how to change oil and all that kind of stuff, and it was the end. Like, I wanted to do everything and anything with cars. And then ever since, I have loved doing this. So what was your first car? Uh, my first car was a, like a Nissan truck, four by four truck. And I couldn't even tell you what year it was, but it was through a family member. They gave it to me and it was a piece of crap. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was reliable. It got but it was your piece of it crap. It was my piece of crap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's as our, as our most first cars. Exactly. So, um, and then, you know, I've slowly moved through different cars and doing different things, but yeah, I still have a car that I'm working on and I've been working on for 10 years, but which you know, is uh 57 Willie wagon nice yeah that's very nice yeah so So how far through are you it's a shell right now yeah it's not it's not so it's almost done yeah of course (laughs) it's like it's like most projects they get to a point you know it's as they say the uh getting the time and the money to cross at the same time you know is next to impossible but sometimes it does happen but you have a daily driver uh yeah i drive a cyan xb because i need it at there was a time when i was an outside salesperson in the automotive industry uh repping like 20 performance companies here in southern california and I needed a gas mileage car because mm-hmm. you know you'll, if you live in la you need you drive all over la you need good gas mileage so uh, that car has been extra reliable and it gets me to shows all the time you know so it's i don't get rid of it now do you have a car let's say like maybe some of these ones you post on daily drive um i've got a 67 chevy truck um it's a three-quarter ton that runs and i drive that every so often but it doesn't it's you know it's rough on the gas mileage and going places so and it needs some work you know a tune-up lately but other than that uh no not really Tell me, is this something you want to make money with, or can you make money with it, or is it just kind of like a love of the vehicle? It's a love of, of the vehicle. The if 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 money comes along, that's great. But I love doing this and meeting the people and talking to them about their cars and just there's so much passion and excitement when people talk about their own cars. I mean, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing to hear the stories that they have and to hang out with them and. Just th- their eyes light up the fact that I mean I I'll give you an example I was doing uh, there was a show recently called the Downtown El Segundo Show and the first car I walk up to was a beautiful uh, fifty Mercury uh, with a flathead in it and I'm walking up to the guy and the guy's getting in his car the owner of the car and before I can even talk or say how nice his car is I'm wearing a Daily Driver shirt uh, Driver Project shirt and he says. Hey, you're Wes from the Daily Driver Project, and I was like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> do I owe you I don't, money? Do, yeah, do I need to worry about that? But he was he was so excited. Two years ago, I had posted a picture of his car, and he was so thankful. And it was so such a to me. I'm not doing anything other than taking a picture of a car. 
because I like what the car, and I don't take a picture of every car to show. I have to like that car. You know, that's why I take a picture of it. And the fact that he remembered that and he was so thankful, and it's such a simple thing just to take a picture nowadays and post it online for anyone to see, you know, to have somebody that excited about it is what excites me. I, I like that more than I think even going to see the cars at times. Wes Nielsen from the Daily Driver Project with us here on Talking About Cars. I was going through your website, and one of the things that just kind of really came out and grabbed me was the little sign that says crashes. Oh, yeah. But it's not really not, crashes. No, I was I was clicking on that going, all right, we're going to see some <laughs> twisted metal. And nah, no, I didn't get that. But explain what that is. That we do a thing called, uh, well, we do two different crashes. We do shop crashes and we do uh, car crashes. Car crashes, we probably have more of it up there. But car crashes I do are about an in-depth look about the owner, the car, and the history of the car and all that kind of stuff. So. I haven't looked at my dictionary lately, but how does that? How does crashes mean story? Well, it's like a party crash. You're you're showing up to somebody's car that they own, and you're crashing their party. Ah, okay then. That makes complete sense. Yeah. What was your favorite story? Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, or one of your favorites. One of my. Well, I'm a big fan of Rodriguez, which is on there, which is a guy named Chuck Schwawicker. I can never say his last name right. I, but uh, Chuck is such a super guy and always super nice to talk to. He does a ton of shows, and he has one of the most unbelievable cars I've ever seen built. Um, it's actually a Japanese-built traditional-style hot rod. And what's interesting about it is it's got some twists to it that are very different than what most of them look like. But... It's amazing that, like, the hot rod culture is such a world, especially the traditional culture, is such a worldwide culture. And people don't realize how many cars get shipped. I, I actually have friends that build cars in Germ traditional hot rods in Germany and Sweden and, you know, Japan. And it's such an interesting thing that our American car culture that's been going on since, you know, the inception of the first guy to hot rod a car is a worldwide phenomenon that a lot of people I don't know that they even realize realize that. And in in Southern California especially because we're so jaded because we're around it, there's a car show every day, multiple car shows on the weekends that you can go to and people and you see old cars all the time driving around because our weather is so good. You know, somebody's always in a convertible 57 Bel Air going by you or something like mm -hmm. that. You know, it's it's not rare that you see that. You go to the Midwest, it's different. You know, everybody puts their cars in you know, the garage or some sort of storage bubble or whatever, you know, during during that time. So we are so almost to a point where we're jaded, I think, for some people that don't we see it all the time. But it, it's just, you know, I love talking to people about that. I know every time I sell a car, it goes to another country. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, true. it's it's weird. I mean, I sold a 64 Dodge Polaro. It ended up in Sweden. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I sold a, I sold a, a Chrysler LeBaron convertible, something as pedestrian as a 91 Chrysler <laughs> LeBaron convertible. Supposedly, it went to Germany. Yeah. I sold a motorcycle and ended up in Norway. Exactly. I mean, it's like, come on, doesn't anybody here in America want my cars? Well, no, they don't. They, they don't. all go to other countries. No, and what I was literally having a conversation at a show this weekend, and we were talking about the fact that it's funny how many, like, Model A's and so on that are the early traditional hot rod style guys, are mm -hmm. they're selling their cars we're losing cars out of the united states we'll have to import cars back in in order to get them here if you want 
because there's so many of them that are going that direction. Mm-hmm. They're going over to Europe and, and Japan also. So I like that thought, but let's be honest. I mean, how many cars are actually here oh, and I, then going to other countries? Unless you're talking like about something like a limited edition something. But even those, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of um, even the kind of specialty. Like I, I have a guy you'll see in my uh, car crash. There's a guy uh, by the name of Eric with an Ensman. An Ensman is a Swedish-built body, fiberglass body on top of a Volkswagen. There were not a lot of them made. He owns three of them. He has only, he has the only one in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it the car, you, sometimes you stumble upon those things, but there's like four of them in, you know, over in the Swedish area. So it's just interesting about those, you know, you can have one-offs that he will probably ship it home. He's from Germany. He may ship it home someday. I, I know a lot of people who have uh, come around to this country just for the purpose of buying cars. I actually have a very good friend who's from Australia that he came here in the late 70s, early 80s, and that's what he did, him and his brother. And also cars coming from Australia. I mean, for a long time, you never saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we actually just saw, we had a wheels, one of the wheels and waves that you came to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one, the second one we did, there was a 36 Ford, I think it was, Ute, that was, and a Ute is basically they take a regular car, they chop the back off and make it a truck. So it was a right-hand drive 36 Ford from Australia, and the guy that was driving it was uh, from El Segundo. He was an American guy. There was not, but it got shipped back over here, and, uh, you know, he was driving this cool hot rod. And as opposed to it being a custom, they actually built it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, no, I've actually seen some of those around. I mean, uh, I think I saw a 55, 56 Ford Ute yeah, yeah. Uh, down in Inglewood, I think, some years ago. So, I mean, those cars are floating around. Yeah, but it's just fascinating that so many – yeah, you're right. I mean, a, a lot of guys ship car. It's funny how we're now so, – the car culture is so worldwide that cars go from all over the place. You know, they come from, you know, like trucks from Japan or – Somebody's shipping something over from Europe or Australia. It's just interesting that, and then they go back. I mean, it's back and forth. So let me ask you where you see this going. I mean, you you have this uh, daily driver project, the website. You're getting X amount of hits. Your people are really recognizing you on the street. Where do you see this going in four or five years? Um, I to be honest, I don't look that far ahead. I just love what I'm doing, so I just keep doing it. Uh, if I can keep doing it for four or five years, I'll be ecstatic. That's all I'm looking. You know, I just want to do it every day that I can. So that's what I try to do. Is there any car you haven't seen that you want to see? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know that there is. Um, it's one of those deals. If you stumble upon it, you see it. I've seen so many that I don't ever expect to see that it shocks me at times. So, um, but no, I don't, what's, what's fun about like, uh, as an example, we went, I went to the Ventura Nationals this last weekend, which is a large kind of traditional hot rod and custom, custom car show. And you may see a 54 Chevy that's all custom, but the paint job may be something you've never seen before. The car you've seen before, but the paint job may put you out of this world. And there were a few of those that, like, I had seen that shape of car before, but the paint job was like, where did this come from? You know, and it's there's a few of those that I've come across that 
you know, like they may have done a custom touch to the car that you've not seen before. Kind of so. like uh, Barris, Gene Winfield kind of uh, do on the car. Yeah, exactly. So you take you take what the traditional car is like that we've all seen, and then you do some sort of twist with a skirt on it. Or uh, another one, as an example, that's kind of crazy would be the uh, Chop It Customs Beatnik Bubble Top. Was was you know, I mean, you want a car that's a traditional Ford that turned into this crazy car out of, you know, Gary Choppett's head. I mean, it just, it, you, you get things like that that oh, are crazy. Oh, you're talking about the, uh, the purple one, Yeah, right? the purple the one. The purple one with oh, the, yeah. the Lincoln chrome on it and oh, Cadillac yeah. oh, chrome. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. That's the beatnik. And, and Gary, Gary, I mean, sadly, Gary passed away recently, um, but his son Nick is carrying on the tradition, and Nick is an unbelievable fabricator and will care. he is already building things like his dad. I mean, it's... That's they build f- unbelievable cars, but it's out of their head. And that's what's fun is there's still young guys, because Nick Nick's in his 20s, so there's still young guys that are in this car culture that are carrying on that tradition of metal fabrication and, and you know, making cars their own because they're doing those type of twists on it. That is what hot rodding started out as. People were, you know, souping up cars and taking the fenders off the A's and doing all that kind of stuff because they wanted to make a car, their own kind of car. That it was it was their car, not somebody else's car, you know, and that's what what it's good to see younger people carrying on that tradition. I think the fact that you bring up a good point, because you're out there, you see the car shows. Oh, yeah. What about the younger generation? Because they're bringing in their own cars, not necessarily the cars we all grew up with, but certainly their own. How do you see that? Um, I think that in your traditional, like what everybody would expect a car show, hot rod guys are mainly older and you don't see a lot of young people. But if you get into like kind of the rockabilly lifestyle, custom car culture, those guys, those are younger they and they're older too but it's it's the whole and a lot of that's passed down by generations like i i have friends that their dad helped them build their car and they're in their 20s and they drive this cool custom and it's you know and then the other one would be kind of the japanese market um car guys that's a much younger crowd and those guys are doing custom stuff too so there's there's i it just depends but what you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at the hot rod market, which is much more what I, I'm a pre 72 car guy. That's just, you know, in general, that's what I like. Um, but I do appreciate the guy that takes, you know, like a Honda and twerks out a Honda and, you know, winds it and does the whole package and wheels and tires and all that. And I appreciate what they're doing and I understand it. And I'm glad that that's carrying on the tradition for what it is. You have a website. Website do's and don'ts. For me, it's a big style issue. Um, I, I'm big about design, so I actually am self-taught to do websites, so all that was me learning as I go. Um, but it's uh, a big part of it is you don't want to – you have to have a nice logo. You have to have um, you have to have a nice logo to go with it and stuff like that. So that's what – and then, like, the design of the – it has to have a good layout because you can get lost in a layout. I mean, it can have too much information or too little information. You know, some of them you pull up somebody's website and basically the whole thing's white, you know, and there's no graphics to it or anything. And you're just like, you know, it's like one picture and a whole lot of text. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, even your newspaper has a little more style than that does. Right. And it doesn't fold. No. You can't fold your computer screen and like 
Start put, to, put it under your bird well, cage. Well, give it, get, give it a few, give it a few years. We may have <laughs> folding true. screens. You never know. Anybody that has an iPad or something yeah. like that, you know, who believed it, you get something that small. Yeah. Any last words? Anything you want to throw in? Go to a local car show. That's all it has to be. Just if you, if you're into cars at all, go to a local cruise night. Just get out there. Even if you don't own a car, just go out and appreciate them. If you're if you're into cars, I know plenty of guys that they don't necessarily have a car, but they appreciate old cars. They like old cars. They may not want to own one, but they like to go see them go to there's plenty of cruise nights there's a cruise night every night of the week that's local to you just look it up wes nielsen from the daily driver project hey don't forget to check it out on dailydriverproject.com and their youtube channel up next here on talking about cars cleo shelby married carol shelby the creator of the shelby cobra mustang and chrysler cars in 1997 and while it's not really known how into cars his previous four wives were Cleo grew up in Britain, obviously liked driving and racing fast cars, much to the chagrin of local police. She liked to drive fast, not on a racetrack, but on the roads of England. In fact, Cleo says from the first moment she asked her mom for a car, she was a bit of a lead foot. My mother always had a new car, uh, a Ford 6 Zephyr and a Zodiac. Um, was going to get a Jaguar, but her driver just managed to persuade her to stay with Fords. Um, so I learned to drive on a Zephyr 6 with a column change when I was 11 on private grounds. He took me out and it was, I, was, I had to put blocks because my little feet wouldn't reach the pedals. And I was, it was difficult to figure how you put the clutch down and it was up here with the H, you know, forward. And it was, but I, I've managed to master that. And then my mother said, if you pass your test first time, you can have whatever car you want. And I was a mod, so it was a Mini. It just come out, well, they have been out for a few years, but you know, it's relatively new car. And that was the car that mods should have, and I wanted a Mini. Oh, well then, get a Riley Elf, it's got leather and wood. No, 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 it's got to be the standard Mini. So I got the Mini, and I loved that car. The trouble was, you've got this false sense of confidence. You think you can drive, so off I go straight into the West End of London, uh, straight to Hyde Park Corner, and hit a bus. <laughs> Double decker bus by chance? Yes, a big red bus. How did I know this? Oh. <laughs> It's me taking too much notice of the guys that were chasing me, because in those days not many girls drove, and Letlo had their own car. So anyway, it was all good fun. So I managed to hit a few more cars as well. My mother said to me, "That's it, I'm taking it back." So then I, it was good. The best thing she ever did was to take the car off me, and I thought, right, I'm going to buy my own car. I didn't have the money, so unbeknown to my mother, I took some jewellery of my down and um, I got the money and I got a Mini Cooper and um, Now there no, was a difference between a Mini and a Mini Cooper? Yes, it was the racing version and it was actually um, a Mini Cooper S but I thought I got a Mini Cooper, it was a Mini Cooper S and John Cooper who created
started um, Cooper Racing, he said to me, I'll make it into a um, race car. So, great. And, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, I want to go faster than everybody. And a Mini can beat anything in those days in London, because it was a lot of traffic. It can beat any car away from the lights and around, because you're agile, you're small, and you nip. And that's exactly what I did. Little Mini skirt, Mini. Oh, that was it. That was me. I was up to London racing, and please stop me. Car, almost on a daily basis. 35 times I was stopped. And then they set a roadblock up for me on Old Kent Road. Then we got her. I thought, oh, it's me that you're going to... Wait, wait, wait. Somebody, the, the, the police sent, uh, set up a roadblock specifically for you? Yes, Old Kent Road. I went sideways into it. I did a handbrake turn. I thought I'd just practice. I know. It was... Where did you learn to drive like that? I don't know. It just came to me. I just love cars. I just... It was... Uh, I don't know. When you're young... I, you get excited about things, you know, which obviously, you know, when you get older, you get more worn. But um, I remember I would race that car all over the place. And then I uh, met my future husband. And um, I apparently, he, we were in Park Lane, London, and he's, I was going really fast. And he was in the passenger seat. And he said, there's a police car. And I immediately pulled over. I didn't realise the police car was on the inside of me so me and the police car went straight across into the hard shoulder and um, they stopped me uh, obviously pulled me out of the car. Well not pulled me but asked me to come out of the car and he said you, you better take your passenger for a drink. He looks very white. Martin just sat there didn't say a word. So you were a big car person before you met Carol? Yes, and John Cooper was very prominent in racing. Cooper Jaguars, Mini Coopers, and we can see today all those Coopers. He died actually during my marriage to Carol. He used to ring me from England, see if I was okay. Um, my husband thought that it might be good that I don't have the Mini Cooper S anymore, and I downgraded to a Mini Cooper. El Paso beige and white. I always remember it with black seats. I love that car. I love that car. And then I suddenly, I don't know, I just saw the MG, MGB, and I wanted an MGB. And it was my birthday and I got a brand new one. And I was in a muse house in London and, and uh, I was up there on my own and I thought, what's that noise out? So I went outside and there was an MGB, a brand new one with a bow around it. So drove it down to mother's house and it started to rain and the hood was a piece of work trying to put it all stubs. And I was a girl and I went, nah, and I was like, oh, and I'm like, they think I like this car. So I didn't keep it very long. I went straight to Mercedes SL 230SL, real girl's car. And then from then on, I drove Mercedes SLs. That was my personal car. Up until I married Carol. It's a 500 SL when I married Carol. Uh, what's in your garage right now? Range Rover Sport Supercharged. It's the last car Carol drove. Um, a Shelby Super Snake. Um, Gosh, a couple of Fiestas and a Fusion, which aren't used at the moment. That's in the garage in LA, the, pers the house garage in LA. Las Vegas uh, Shelby, the one Clio Shelby that was made for me. Mm. It's a pretty beautiful car. 
uh, and a Jeep Wrangler. I'm impressed that you're able to knock them all off your memory just like that. Well, because there's limited cars. There's not many at the houses. And, and Texas, it's all pickup trucks. Lots of pickup trucks. Of all the cars you've had, and I, and I know you've, for one reason or another, you've traded them away, you got rid of them. Is there any car that you don't have anymore that you'd love back? There's, there's different cars. For different, it's not an all-round car. The Lamborghini Countach. I had two, a white one and a red one, and it's one of the last ones built. Apparently one of two, Lee Iacocca got the other one. And I only done 3,000 miles in it, and I had it for 10 years. And Carol was always wanting me to sell it. And I left it at a racing uh, garage. Uh, my ex had um, uh, a Jaguar racing team that was in the current GT. And they had it up uh, in, the, in the ceiling. Look, he's storing it for me because when I married Carol, I didn't quite know what I was going to do with that and all my other cars. But Carol said, you have to... You have to get rid of all your cars, or I'll get rid of them. So he did get rid of them. Um, before that, Salvadori, who he won the on with, was always telling me I had to sell it. But I bought that car with my heart, not my... I thought it was the most unusual, beautiful car. It was the anniversary model, but with the Countach body kit. It was... I loved the white Countach. I didn't... And I liked the anniversary, but the anniversary didn't have the... But mum was wider, and low, and it was a... And it had... The number plate was clear, and that cost more than the car. The number plates are really expensive in England. It's... You can spend hundreds of thousands on number plates. But you can't take it off one car and put it on another? Yes. Oh, you can. But it costs you. Transfer... And you have it on retention. And um, I had to teach someone once who was getting stopped regularly by the police. And uh, I said, I, I rang up Lamborghini at the time before I married Carol. I said, I want my Countach out Saturday. Went down there. I said, Do you want to drive it? She said, Nope. I said, okay. I said, watch. So I'm going to join the freeway at about 70 and I'm going to go up to double their speed. This is what you do when the police stop you. You don't talk down to them and you don't talk up to them. I said, you meet them as human beings doing a job. And that's what, exactly what happened. And the police said, well, if I won the lottery, I'd be driving this car. I said, well, thank you, officer. Do you want to look at the car and everything? He said, I take it you won't be doing this speed again. I said, no, I was trying to find tea rooms. He said, that kind of speed. He said, you won't be finding any tears. I said, no, it's just to teach her a lesson who's all puffed up there, over there by the fence. But uh, that was an exciting, it was a car that had to be driven. You couldn't just, it wasn't a car that you just drive. It, it needed your full attention, but on the road it looked beautiful, just a uh, good looking car. But it wasn't the, it's a car that called in England Sunday lunchtime car you go down the pub with or something. Is there any car out there that you want number one on your list of any car that you uh, would like to have? Gosh, I never thought about that. I've had every car. The Bentleys were nice that I had. I always liked those. They were fast. Um, I think probably the best all-round car is a Range Rover. So it's a car that you can off-road or go to a function in the evening or it hauls a lot of stuff when you flatten the back. Uh, and it's supercharged, it's got the speed, and it won't be your coffin. That car will bounce any car off it. Um, and the lights, Carol 
was, his vision was very bad mm-hmm. later years, and the Range Rover was the only car that he could actually see. Was there any American car that you liked? Um, I didn't know much about American cars, but obviously the shelf is, you know, mm-hmm. one, one has to say. Um, Carol did achieve a lot. I remember when we first got married, he said, here's the book called The Cobra Story. I want you to read it, and I'm going to ask you questions on it later. He said, you're married to me, you've got to know what I've done. And he said, I know that your friends have won world championships. He said, but I just want to know, you know what I've done. He said, because, you know, people will think that you know what I've done. <laughs> Look, Carol's a great guy. It was, uh, we were very well suited we were very adventurous we needed a team of people to take care of us because we were free spirits cleo shelby the widow of the late carol shelby still going strong and making us all wary of her giving us a ride to the store without us wearing a five-point harness and before we say goodbye a real car story of a young car fanatic debbie mcgurr once owned a 1966 dodge dart convertible a car that became a favorite of her then 10 year old daughter matea I caught up with them at the Chrysler Performance West Spring Fling Show in Van Nuys. Um, it started when um, my mom wanted to t- get it running for my 10th birthday. And, and what are we talking about? A dart. What year? 66. It was not rusting. Running for about 14 years it sat and it was very rusted. And I just all of a sudden decided I needed to get it out there and tried to get it running for her 10th birthday. Now give me the background on the car. I've owned it since about 87. It was a daily driving car for many years for me. And I got a company car and then I garaged it and it sat and I didn't take care of it and it got really rusted and didn't run anymore. So a few months before her birthday, I tried to get it uh, running and I did. It, it got running just about for her 10th birthday. We weren't able to drive it to the car show. <laughs> but it was running. You, t- was, you, um, you said something about the line where uh, about school with her. Oh, I was my my fantasy was to get it running and pick her up at, at school on her birthday, which is next week actually on the 29th. But last year we didn't quite make it, so I brought her to the shop, and she had no idea it was there. And you know we were filming her, and we we're like, "Look, it's mommy's car." She didn't. She just didn't get that it was my car sitting in the shop being fixed. And all of a sudden it dawned on her, and like her face was like. Oh my God! I said, "See, I told you, Mommy would get this car running," and sh- the shock on her face was like immeasurable. Tell me about the shock on your face. I was like, I felt like turning pale, <laughs> and I felt her, like passing out on the car. And I got to start it, and I was just in shock. I didn't know what to do. So you didn't plan on driving it when you were ten. Mm, not necessarily. You <laughs> <laughs> wanted to ride in it really bad, and I was like, if I don't get this car out and run in right now, it'll never happen. So I did it. That's, you were the best mom in the world. <laughs> now, now tell me your background. Is, what makes you be so nice about old cars to your daughter? You know, I have always been into cars, and that's a very interesting story. Also, I was actually adopted, and um, my my family here had never anything to do with cars. When I ran, I found my birth family, and it turns out my dad is a total car guy, and my brothers were all into cars, and they, we were all shocked to like find out that each other was into cars. And it's just, you know, travel to the next generation now. So the family you were adopted to never were into cars at all? No, not really. 
I had a boyfriend that was a you know into cars. He had a, like an old Oldsmobile four four two, but that was it. Yeah, but old boyfriends for the most part are like yeah, that. I mean, it wasn't. I just I don't know. I was just drawn to it, and my my first car was a Mercury Capri, and then I had a Mustang, and then I came across the convertible. I wanted a convertible, so that's how I ended up with the Dart. Wow, you were a Mopar person to begin with, or just happened no, to like that car? Not after I got the Dart, then it, then that was it. So. So let me ask you. What are you going to do with the car when you get your grubby mitts on it at the age of... It's not going to be her first driving car. <laughs> She's going to have to drive some other beater first. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So when you get that car eventually, when you're 36 years old, what are you going to do with it? Drive it. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, I don't know. You show it to your friends, and, and they're going to sit there and walk around with their jaws drawn? Yeah. <laughs> to show it off at school when I pick her up. Did you bring it, Mom? Did you bring it, Mom? <laughs> Every day she asks me when I come home, when I come get her. Now tell me the truth. Has uh, Dad or anybody else let you sit in their lap and, and you could steer it? Yes. Yeah. Did you know this, Mom? I did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Usually around Christmas, Christmas. We, I get to use the steering wheel and drive it. Because we go see Christmas lights, so you're driving really slow through the neighborhood, so I let her sit on my lap and we, we drive through. Because here in California, we can drive a convertible to see Christmas lights. <laughs> Debbie and her daughter, Matea, of Reseda, California, two big fans of classic cars. Hey, if you're listening on iTunes, number one, subscribe. It's free, and you'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads. Then rate us and write a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us and tell all your car pals and fellow club members about our great guests and cool stories we have on all of our award-winning Talking About Cars podcasts. Also, check out our videos on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.